Turns out my head really is a small apartment. And in other news, you are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio, Channel 2. Thank you for joining us, dear listeners. You are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. Today's broadcast is C2E15 for date TBD, something something November 2023. The subject of today's episode is music from games featuring animal protagonists on an episode we're calling Animal Planet. And as always, I'm joined by Hugh. So Hugh, what's up? Ah, geez, what is it? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, I guess. It's probably about that time when you're listening to this episode. I know I put on a lot of podcasts when I'm doing, like, um, Christmas unboxing. You know, you get, like, hook ornaments and get stuff out for for decorating. I tend to log about uh, four hours of podcast listening when I do that. Hopefully you're doing that right now. (laughs) And if you don't celebrate the holidays, I hope you're doing some other fun November-themed event. I, what I want is pictures of people who hang up like a, or put set up like giant turkeys in their front yard, which I'm sure like the is inflatable like, ones. Yeah, I, there's got to be like a couple people that do that, but I, that doesn't seem you know big yard ornaments for Thanksgiving. It doesn't seem to be the kind of thing it is for Halloween or Christmas. No, no. So this is a true story. It sounds fake, but this is this is a true story. Okay. Um, back when my wife was teaching high school. The high school she worked at had like um, an enclosed courtyard. So imagine like a building that's square shaped, but in the middle there's like a courtyard with you know, benches and trees and stuff. Nobody used the courtyard for anything, right? It was just mostly decorative. And one November they decided, uh, let's put a live turkey in the courtyard. Okay. 
I, I don't know who, like, it seems like a senior prank, but this was a thing the school did. And the turkey was extremely loud and would occasionally aggressively attack the windows. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hear those are, those birds are jerks anyway. They are. Wild turkeys, if you, I've seen them quite a few times, like you up to Minnesota or something, they're all over the place. And they, yeah, they have no regard for vehicles or humans, really. Yeah, they're they're like they're like geese, but worse. And you know, the we're in the part of the country where the the geese are supposed to migrate in for part of the war, or part of the year and then migrate out. For, well, for whatever reason, this year they just never migrated out. And so, you know, you have this gang of thugs that are just constantly harassing the office and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah, it's a nightmare. Someone did an AI art of uh, Jason Voorhees being chased by a flock of geese. It was really funny. Yeah, I would take the geese to win that one. Yeah. Well, so there's, and we can, I mean, you know, everyone has their thoughts on the AI art. I, 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 I get the worry about it, but I also am such a sucker for it that I, you know, I, I kind of turned that part of my brain off. But there was one, there's this uh, Facebook page called Cursed AI and just people putting craziness up there. And someone did like this multi-picture post about a link on an 80s talk show like a like a i know maury was more of a 90s thing but think that kind of thing yeah bill donahue probably yeah 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 well it it was just it's hilarious i know you're not on facebook so i can't send you a link but i have i took screenshots of everything so i'll put a little google photos album together and send it to you it's just it's just it just gets crazier and crazier it's just great so well so thank you for reminding me of why i stayed off of facebook that sounds like a (laughs) total complete time waster <laughs> well it is it is but yeah. i don't i don't know you know uh i've i know we've talked on the show before about how into the i mean at least conceptually into dreams i am you know it's just this mm-hmm. hollow this windows 95 defrag plus star trek tng holodeck happening while you're asleep and just the craziness that comes from that and i look at these ai images and a lot of them remind me of the kind of things that could happen in a dream yeah yeah. You know, and so I really need to get set up with mid-journey so I can start making my own images. But I I almost kind of, I think when I do, I think when I do, I will kind of, I have a handful of dreams that I remember vividly over the course of my life. And I think I might see what AI does, like when I feed it those prompts and just see what it gives me back. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. So what have you been up to? Uh, you know, not a lot. This is the unfortunate time of year I've been dealing with uh I would say real life problems, but trying to get like last minute uh, home repairs and stuff done before winter. Very exciting old person stuff is what I've been <laughs> up to. Is basically it. I've not been playing a, a ton of games. I I finished the most recent Trails game on Switch recently, so that that was a lot of fun. I probably it has like a random generated dungeon aspect to the game. Okay. So like like a Minotaur on the Intellivision sort of. Okay. Uh, but with a modern combat system, well modernish, right? And I, I really got hooked on that. I, I easily spent over 100 hours just doing random uh, dungeons. Hey, any game... They're not even very big randomly generated dungeons. They're all... They're, they're actually fairly small, but okay. there's a lot of enemies, a lot of combat, and they give you a cast of, like, 30 characters if you're into, like, grinding up characters. You know, as soon as I say I'm not, I'll, I'll go do that exact same thing. You know... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I saw an article years and years ago about someone who 
on the original PlayStation leveled up Cloud in Final Fantasy VII to like level 99 before doing anything in the game. <laughs> Basically in the first zone of the, of the game, just leveling up to 99 to start. And I could kind of see myself doing that some days. I mean, it took him months. It was like, spent like an hour a day every day for months or years doing this. So maybe, maybe I wouldn't do that specifically, but I, I do like games where there's a lot of um, arbitrary grinding. Yeah, I generally don't, but some, every so once in a while, one will grab me. And you know, it's funny that what you just described is a far more extreme example of something that I did in real life with uh, the original Fantasy Star. I didn't level up to like 99, but I, I leveled up several, several times in the very opening sequence of the game so that the rest of the game could be manageable after that. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's see, what have I been up to? Uh, more than you would think, I um, I have an update. The Starfield bug didn't bite. You know, I got about three hours into it, and then and then I just kind of fell away from it. Maybe I'll come back to it. You know, maybe. I, I mean, I put 61 hours into Cyberpunk, but I played for a couple hours and then quit playing for a couple months before I came back to that. So maybe I have been playing Super Mario Wonder, though. Okay. And that's okay. pretty... I, I haven't even thought about buying that yet. Well, it's pretty... Uh, well, to sound to sound dorky, it's pretty wonderful. It's uh, okay. It starts... Okay, it starts off... When you first start, it doesn't feel meaningfully different than any 2D, you know, modern take on a 2D Mario game. But as as it goes, you begin to it begins to feel more and more different. You you get these these special abilities that you can choose from to use on a level. Uh, every level has this uh, special flower you're supposed to find, which like completely changes the level. It's almost like almost imagine like some mashup between light like light world and dark world in Zelda and Wario almost a WarioWare level of zaniness craziness to the alternate thing it's it it takes place it, it doesn't take place in the mushroom kingdom it takes place in the neighboring flower kingdom and so you have f flower equivalents to the toads i can't remember what they're called uh but they're basically toads but with flowers instead of mushrooms and and so on and so forth it's it's it, it brings all the best of what's good about every 2D Mario game and then throws a whole bunch of wacky into it. So it really is pretty great. And you can play as an elephant. Yeah, that, that was the part where I was skeptical of the game. Um, is, is the elephant part fun? Well, it's just a regular power-up, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, in Mario 3, you get the tanuki suit, right? Well, this is... Mm -hmm. It doesn't... It's not as dramatic a difference... It, in terms of how the game plays than you would think. Okay. So, but it's a great game. I, I, I completely recommend Super Mario Wonder uh, for to everyone. And then to anyone who is a big Starfield junkie who is disappointed with my update, you know, hold out hope. You never know if I may come back. Uh, it just, it kind of bounced off me, which is actually, it's disappointing that to me that it did bounce off me because um, the first day I played Starfield, I played Starfield on launch day. And okay. that was also the exact same day that I got my autism diagnosis. So it was like, I was just, my head was swimming from, from that. And, and I'm like this, I'm going to remember this day forever. And, and it's going to be marked by Starfield. And, and then it fizzled out. So, uh, I do have some updates about that though. I'll, I'll get through that right away and then we can move on to the next track. Well, we can talk about this track and then move on. 
when I got my autism diagnosis, I, one of the first things I said was, "Okay, now I got to get it. Now I got to find out about ADHD because I really think I'm both." And I had a real, I had a revelation, and and that's that I'm an idiot. I'm dumb. I, it, all the way back in 1997, I was diagnosed with what they then called ADD. Now it's called inattentive ADHD. But a, a lot of those 90s eras, 90s era ADD diagnoses were actually a mistake. They were actually autism plus hyperactive ADHD and where the two symptoms over where the two conditions overlap they just look like ADD and where they don't overlap it's internally it's like a, a constant inner conflict it's like you versus you all the time but externally to anyone who's not paying sufficient attention they can hide each other and so the if the only part if you got a professional that's not paying enough attention and the only parts that are visible are the parts that aligned with ADD, well, then guess what you're going to get misdiagnosed with. So, but I got diagnosed with that in 97, and I didn't understand how pervasive a condition ADHD was. I thought it simply meant subject has hard time paying attention in class, which for me was kind of a duh. And so it was kind of like, neat, dude, can I go play video games now? And it really didn't, you know, didn't do anything for me. And as time went on, and I began to question whether or not I might be autistic, I, I began to distance myself from that diagnosis. It's like, well... I think it's wrong, and so I'm going to forget about it. But what that diagnosis did, even if it was, okay, it was severely deficient. It did miss autism, right? It was severely de deficient, but what it did is it confirmed that I was somewhere on, quote-unquote, the ADHD spectrum. And so I went... I had a follow-up appointment with the doctor who diagnosed me with autism, and I shared all this with him. I said, you know, maybe I should just, tr insofar as it puts me somewhere on the ADHD spectrum, I, maybe I should just trust and embrace this diagnosis. What do you think, doc? And he said, I agree 100%. So even if it, so it's like, I said, why am I chasing a diagnosis when I've had it for 25 years? So I'm officially both. I'm officially autistic and ADHD. And uh, colloquially, this is not a scientific term. This is not an official term, but colloquially, that when you have both at the same time, it's called ADHD. So capital A, lowercase U, capital DHD. And uh, I'm one of those. My head is a my head really is a small apartment after all. Like I said in the previous episode, I have. I'm also starting. I don't know when I'm gonna. I don't know. I don't know how soon, how much or even if I'm ever going to do anything with this. But I thought about starting an ADHD vlog to share my lived experiences as this kind of person, which is very, you know, that's very much a thing right now. Uh, and I really liked the name I came up with. So I just created accounts everywhere. I, you know, you, I, I wanted to placeholder the name basically, right? You know, so I created accounts everywhere and it's, it's ADHD capital O, lowercase d-d-i-e, space, capital H-d. So it's an obvious nod to ADHD, but it's also like meant to convey weirdo in high definition, right? You know, like the weird parts of John on full blast, basically. Uh, and the, the uh, description of the channel is the spectrum of St. John of the spectrum. You know, because like I want this to represent the spectrum of me and then i'm part of this bigger spectrum so so uh in the show notes i'll put links to everywhere uh, like i said i've done nothing with it yet but share a couple memes on like threads uh and and twitter and stuff so 
Moving on from that, there were, I, on the previous episode, I mentioned a whole bunch of YouTube channels and there were ones that I've discovered, and this list is way shorter, way shorter, but there, uh, there are a couple other channels and stuff I've discovered since then that I thought needed a shout out. Uh, first and foremost is a channel called Proudly Autistic. This is run by a Gen X lady named Karen, who is, who is a late diagnosis like me and uh, is doing this to create a better world for their autistic child. Uh, and I think that's really admirable. I think uh, Karen's an amazing person. We've had some really uh, fantastic conversations, uh, Karen and I. So I, I really, I really think she's great, and I really think you should check her out. Um, there is a thirty-something ADHD fellow out of the UK named Beardo Bloggins, which I think is a funny name. That's that can't be his given name, uh, or if it is, I feel really. I'm sure it's not. But uh, you've got Savannah Brown. You've got Not Your Average Zebra. You've got Kelly Ant. Kalenism, Kalenism, and then you've got Illimation. So I wanted to make sure those got shout outs too. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about the ADHD stuff. Uh, I, I've, I've been out there, I've been out there trying to make connections. I've made some really great connections, you know, like with Karen from Proudly Autistic. I also had someone block me. <laughs> like this person is one of the, this person is an ADHD vlogger, but they also do a certain kind of art. And I'm not saying what kind of art it is. I'm not saying what their name is. Cause you know, this is not a, this is not about character assassination at all. It's just, I think uh, I reached out to them. I said, Hey, you do this kind of art. I really am into this. I really want to do this kind of thing in this kind of art. And I messaged them. And then a couple weeks later I followed up. And then next thing I know I'm blocked. So I've never been blocked that quickly for anything before. Uh, so I, I think in the moment it made me feel really self-conscious and really horrible. I'm like, I can't even communicate with my own people. Right. You know, it was really like, I spent the next day, like bitterly depressed, but I began to realize, you know, no one has ever done this to me this quickly. And I, I know I'm a lot, I know I'm a lot, but I, I've never had anything like this happen to me this quickly. So what I concluded is this one can't be a, a me problem. You know, this, they must've had a traumatic experience in the past. Maybe someone was, maybe they had a stalker, maybe, you know, something like that. And they must've had some, some problematic past experience that, so I, maybe they're just a jerk. Well, I, 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 I would, I, I think you're probably devoting too much uh, mental energy to, to figure out their motivation. I devote too much mental energy to just about anything. Uh, but, but yeah. I mean, that's possible. Th that, that was the first, okay. The first, the, tr the first thought was, oh my God, I am so over. I can't, I'm so m too much that I can't even make friends with my people. So first, my first instinct was to point the finger inward. And then the second instinct was, yeah, they're a jerk, point the finger outward. And I was really mad for a moment, but then it's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, maybe something really horrible happened to them. And, uh, I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm going to presume they're not a horrible person and I'm not a horrible person, but they had something horrible happen from a horrible person. Uh, anyway, let's, let's move on from that. Uh, my first track of the day is spring yard zone from Sonic the Hedgehog on the Sega Genesis composed by Masato Nakamura. Now, I think we finally have a game that we've both played. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I think everyone's played this game. I think so too. I think so too. Uh, do you have any, any any stories related to this game? Like any special memories related to Sonic the Hedgehog? Oh, um, you know what? Most of my memories are the the slightly later ones, like Sonic. Because I worked like I was working at a game store for like the Sonic Two launch. Mm -hmm. So, like, I still think I remember the code for. 
being this, the code you entered in the cash register to ring up Sonic the Hedgehog 2, I think I still have that memorized. Neat. Um, yeah, no, it's not. It's it's really bad. You know? um, it's 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 actually a very bad skill to remember things like that. So uh, that, that's a lot of it. I did not play the first Sonic when it was new. I probably played it a couple years later okay. for the first time. Uh, mostly because I was, you know, I wasn't buying like every uh, every uh, Genesis game right at the time. Sure. So, uh, certainly didn't have the funds to do that, so I, I would have played that one later. Okay. Okay. Well, so my experience with Sonic is, we. Oh, I. I'll go. I'll rewind just a little bit. In Christmas of 1992, we got the Super Nintendo, and so that was our entree into the the bit wars. You know, the the kids shouting at each other in the playground in middle school over which system reigns supreme and all this stuff. Well, in um. Some random day in September 1993. I, I wish I could remember the date. I probably never will. But a friend, a friend of mine had a, a neighbor that was selling a Genesis for like 50 bucks. And so, you know, mom and dad bought it for us. And so less about nine months after getting into the 16-bit generation, we actually had both the major systems. And uh, Sonic was the game that came with it. And there was a... I think it was local, I don't think it was regional, and I certainly don't think it was national, but there was a chain of video stores called Movies To Go, and then they had like a, a section inside the store that was a used game store called Games To Go. And we went in and between trading in games and mom just buying us more games, we ended up walking out with like six extra games. You know, and, and any other time I could remember what they were, uh, but you know, let's see, uh, Altered Beast, Spider-Man, I think X-Men was one of them. Uh, Star Control, I think, was one of them. Uh, I think Mortal Kombat 1, actually, too. So, so yeah, all of a sudden, we had, like, an instant collection of Genesis games. But Sonic was f the forefront. You know, Sonic was the thing that really kind of was my entrance point to the Genesis, really. And uh, I, I've always loved both systems. I always... I always will love both systems, uh, but I even after this I remained pro Super NES until probably about 2003, and then I changed and I've not changed back. So, great game though. I mean, it's a, I wish the modern Sonic games grabbed me the way the retro ones did. You know, I mean, we just talked about what a great game Super Mario Wonder is. Like, Mar Nintendo's managed to keep the Mario franchise amazing. I, I wish I wish Sega had been able to do the same with Sonic. I mean, there are people who love the modern Sonic games and good on them, but the last Sonic game I was able to really put any time into was, well, Sonic Adventure. I mean, Sonic Mania, but Sonic Mania was basically just kind of like a, I don't know, it just was like a, a like a greatest hits of the 16-bit Sonic games is what it felt like to me. <clears throat> Anything else you want to say about this or are you ready to move on? Yeah, let's move on. We've been on this intro for a bit here. So let's, yeah, we should get on to the, the next track. Although the next track is really short. Okay, well, it'll be an antidote. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, I think this is the shortest track we've ever featured. Is that right? Um, Probably. Probably up there. It's it's in the uh, it's in the echelon, yeah. Yeah, and, and I want to thank you for helping me track down a, a clean copy of this audio track. I, I was not able to do it. Part, uh, you had mentioned YouTube and I'm earlier, and I'm like, oh yeah, YouTube, I remember that. Yeah. Um, if you run a network ad blocker like I do, then um, YouTube mysteriously doesn't work anymore. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah. yeah, I could probably figure out how to make it work, but get, getting back to my earlier like time waster comment, like, yeah, there's some really good 
you know, resources on YouTube, but sometimes I just, like, end up watching a guy power wash stuff for an hour. <laughs> and I think, boy, I could have done something better with that hour. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, we talked about animal-themed games. I immediately thought of the game Thin Ice on Intellivision, mm -hmm. where you are a uh, kind of naughty penguin who is uh, trying to sink other penguins and polar bears into the ice. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, the composer on it, this is the first ever game where uh, the fat man, that's what he calls himself, I'm not making fun of him, George Alistair Sanger. This is the first game that he was paid to create, create a song for. I don't I don't believe it's the first game he ever scored, mm -hmm. but all the, all the history of this game says it's the first game he was paid to score. Okay. And it's a very short track. It's called um, Carnival of the Penguins. Carnival of the Penguins. Uh, short, but really catchy and uh, pretty good. You know, at the time, not a lot of games had background music. And television had a handful of games with background music, but most of it was uh, like a cover. It was like a classical piece that someone converted mm -hmm. to in television. Mm -hmm. uh, this is one of the few like original scores on the system. Yeah, the only one I can think of off the top of my head that would predate it would be Snafu. It was Snafu original, or was that I? I was trying to look that one up. Do I, we know for? Do we know that was an original piece, or was that a cover of something? It's well, I don't know for a fact, but it's kind of got that. It's it's definitely not a cover of like a classical piece. You know what okay. I mean? It's kind of funky. It's it makes me think of something like a like a kid's show, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I, uh, well, we can look that up if you, you know what, why don't you look that up while I tell the story about how I got a clean copy of Thin Ice. Yes, I'd like to hear that. Okay. I'm, I'm curious. <clears throat> so I'm going to tell on myself here, um, 99%, probably 99% of the game, uh, the music, the VGM that you hear on Nerd Noise Radio comes from YouTube. And uh, the way that we, the way that we secure it is through a terminal, uh, an app that you run in the Linux terminal called uh, YT-DLP. It's a spin off of uh, YouTube DL. And uh, so what you do is you you type a certain command in the terminal to indicate <clears throat> audio only, and then to indicate the audio format you want. And then you just put the URL from the YouTube video in, and it downloads it, separates out the audio, and leaves you with an audio file in the format you want. Well, so... So that's kind of our dirty secret at Nerd Noise Radio. And uh, with this one, I found a long play video of the game. And thank, so there's no way I can isolate out the sound effects from the gameplay portion. But it, thank goodness there's like this little intro sequence where it shows you the characters. And this is the music that's playing. And so all I had to do was capture the audio and then just 
isolate that part of the video and then loop it. Okay. And so that's, and then, you know, I mean, of course I do my usual post-production stuff like, like, uh, amplify and all that stuff to make it so it's not like super thin and faint and all that stuff. So my typical production magic on it. And that's how we got it. Nice. So yeah, uh, Snafu does appear to be an original piece. It's a composer we've really not featured, I don't think. What's the name? Russell Russell Lieblich. Oh, Lieblich. Yeah, I've, I, I'm familiar yeah. with the name. I, I know we featured okay. something of his on Channel 1 at some point, but uh, I don't I think, think we've... It's a lot of C64, a lot of stuff we don't typically get into. Maybe we got to dig into this more. Unfortunately, he passed away fairly young. Mm. Mm. How long ago? Uh, he, uh, 2006, it's uh, 2005. Sorry. Mm. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah, geez. But yeah, he worked on just a ton of like C64, Mac, um, real early Mac, early Amiga titles. So things I guess we we wouldn't have worked have covered. He did the the DOS version of the manhole. I've only heard the PC Engine version. I, I don't think he did the PC Engine version. I think that's a different soundtrack. Sure. I, I don't think I've even heard of that game. Oh, that was the... It, it's the guys that made Mist. It was like their first game. Mm. And mm. it's just... Uh, there, I don't believe there's any way to win the game. It's just a little like interactive storybook kind of thing where you're wandering around this um, like Alice in Wonderland type of, of environment. Okay. It's called the manhole because, like, you're just in a park and there's a manhole and, like, suddenly a vine, like, grows out of it. And if you go up, you're in, like, Cloud World. And if you go down, you're in, like, the Underground World. It's just a weird game. PC Engine CD version is one of the few, like, import games you can get really cheap. Okay. Uh, Probably because there's really nothing to do in the game. You just kind of wander around. I, I don't believe there's any objective or way to win. Okay. I will have to look into that then. Uh, manhole, I'm gonna. Okay, all right. Manhole PC yeah. engine. But I am curious how different the um, the DOS version soundtrack is now. Well, you know, maybe, why don't we just resolve sometime in 2024 to uh, to do an episode focused on like old computer game stuff yeah we've never done yeah we've done like early like c64 apple stuff that much on here yeah let's let's plan on it. i mean we let's not necessarily set a, an episode like but sometime next year let's do that uh we did th- we did an episode like that on channel one all the way back in uh 2018 uh and you know what it's relevant to a track in this ep- later in this episode so i'll save I'll, I'll bring it up again when we get there so uh is there anything else you want to say about this one um no no i like it this it's short catchy and and fun it is and this is this is a really great game if you ever if you're not into intellivision this is really one of the best games on the system well i have an intellivision and about 43 games but i'll i don't think i have this one so is it cheap uh, it was a late release. I don't know. I don't think... Yeah, Intellivision is really weird in the pricing, right? Like, stuff is either dirt cheap, it's basically either free or super expensive with very little <laughs> in between. Uh, let's see. Let's go on the eBay, which is always a reliable place to, uh, to find prices. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunately not on the cheap side. Okay. I, I just sell my copy. 
Um, no, I mean it's loose like fifteen bucks is the cheapest I see. No, that's that's not. I mean that's not horrible, horrible. Or maybe one of these days I'll actually make good on my promise to myself to finally start setting up emulators and I can just do a ROM or something. Yeah, I I bet this is on the um, Intellivision uh, direct you know plug and play system. Mm. It came out a few years ago. I, it's got to be on there, too. Well, also, I wonder if it's on Intellivision Lifts, because I have that collection on, like, PS2. Yeah, I, I think it probably is. Okay. Well, that's something we can look up later. Uh, yep. Let's go ahead and get on to the next track. Uh, we're going to go back to the Sega Genesis. We're going to be hearing a track called Woody Land 1 and 2 from a game called Mr. Nuts. And it's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. Okay. But uh, <laughs> Mr. Nuts on the Genesis composed by Matt Furness. So let's check it out.
I wish you guys could see Hugh. He's kind of bobbing his head to it. It's great. It's really great. It's a fun track, man. It is. It is. It is. And you know, one of the things I really love about it is um, those little kind of doot, doot, doot sounds. Those are just plain sine waves. So like every sound on the Genesis is made of basically adversarially pitting sine waves against each other to make more complex tones. So it's, I always get a, I always get a kick out of being able to just hear the, the bare bone Mm -hmm. sound wave that's responsible for everything else. So those are just sine waves. And I did confirm that with Matt Furness because, you know, before the launch of the show, I discovered this track and uh, I asked him about it. He said, yep, those are just sine waves. Yeah. You know, the thing is, if, if you told me this was a, like, hidden track on Castle of Illusion, I probably would have believed you. It sounds a lot like Mickey Mouse Castle of Illusion to me. Oh, that's totally believable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good pick. It's a really solid pick here. It is a really fun track. And, you know, um, back in back in the very first season of Nerd Noise Radio, all the way back in 2017, I did... It might even be... Well, okay, you did an episode in, in 2021 that was a focus on Falcom composers. And so I guess we call that a composer focus, even if it was a, a team rather than an individual. But the only, I think the only other time we've ever done a composer focus in the entire history of Nerd Noise Radio was this episode in 2017, which was a focus on Matt Furnace music. And I was really proud of the title I came up with. It was called The Fiery Furnace. Uh, and it featured, this track was in that episode. So... I think, let's see, I think, no, I was going to say, I think there's only two tracks in this episode that have featured, that have been featured on channel one before, but uh, there are one, two, three, four, four, including this one. So that have been on, that have been on Nerd Noise Radio before. So um, this, this track is just so much fun though. I mean, I love, I love the tech of getting to hear the plain sine waves, but this track is just really fun. And it it's it changes. You kind of got that part B. That's it's still fun, but it's a little moody. Isn't the right word, but there's a little bit more depth to the to the B side of this track than the kind of jovial front half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't particularly remember this game. Okay, um, kind of makes you want to try it though. You know, I, I don't know if this is a case of like average game great soundtrack. Probably. A lot of Matt Furnace stuff is, is like that, you yeah. know, where the soundtrack outperforms the game. Yes, uh, Matt Furnace and Tim Fallon both fall into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, there's a Genesis version, there's a Super Nintendo version. Uh, there might be other versions, but I know that both of those systems have a version of the game. Mm-hmm. Matt Furnace didn't do the Super Nintendo soundtrack. It's the comp- he composed the soundtrack on the Genesis, and then I can't remember who it was. Uh, someone else did the did a rendition on the Super Nintendo of Matt's com- compositions. The Super Nintendo version of this track is is it's fine. It's it's nice. It, it's you know it's an enjoyable track, but I definitely prefer this version. I think that's all I gotta say about this one, though. Let's get on to your next track. Yeah. So unfortunately, this one is a uncredited composer situation. Um, I, I definitely tried i think other people have tried to uh we're gonna stick with the sega genesis this is uh from chester cheetah too cool to fool and this is called gator alley
Gator Alley, which sounds like the lead into like an NFL show in the 80s. <laughs> it really does. It does. Yeah, this if if I didn't if you had told if I didn't know what this was from and you told me it was from one of the like Madden games, I would have completely yeah. believed you. Oh yeah, yeah, I would too if I had heard it. It just sounds like a Madden intro. So yeah, I I learned about this game from Legacy Music Hour. Mm-hmm. They featured a track years ago called uh, "To the Exit," mm-hmm. which I, was I think a great pick. I think it's the best track on the soundtrack. This is uh, a a solid second. I won't say close second, but it's definitely second best. I think. Okay. Yeah, this is a great track, and you know, "To the Exit." I agree with you. "To the Exit" is my favorite track from that game, and. Uh, so I'll give a shout out to someone in the VGM uh, pod. It's someone in the scene. Uh, her name is Deidre uh, Porter, but she goes by Pinus sixty four. And uh, at one point we had—I don't think it was ever like a heated argument or a heated debate. I think it was more in good fun. But she and I would actually go back and forth on is which is the better version of To the Exit, the Super Nintendo version or the Genesis version? And like, so uh, in, I don't know, 2018, 2019, we did one of our Face Off Friday episodes and I actually featured those two versions back to back on the Face Off Friday episode. But I think, you know, in in, in the case of the soundtrack, it's it's hitting, it's, I, I go back and forth, you know, the Gator Alley and To the Exit, I definitely prefer the Genesis version of, but then there's other tracks. Uh, I can't remember the name of the track, but it's the track in the stage where you're in the monkey cage. And uh, I definitely prefer the Super Nintendo rendition of that track. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a it was it was an early game. It, it's a game I was exposed to very early after having the Super Nintendo. We went over to a friend's house. He had a Super Nintendo. I think that was the first place I ever played uh, Super Castlevania 4, but he had this game. And so we were up to like, I don't know. After midnight, I think we. I think I slept over at his house one time, and I think we were over, up till after midnight playing this game. So wow, was it was it like like a rental? Like is that why you're trying to power through it in one night? N- well, I don't remember if it was a rental or not. I I you know it was I was over at his house and and so yeah I don't remember that part, but I remember being up late playing this over at his house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is one of the better licensed games. There's a lot of really, you know, shovelware licensed games out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is one of the better ones. This is actually like a, a somewhat fun game. It is. It is. I want, maybe, you know what, we won't worry about looking it up right now, but if it's a super cheap game, maybe I will pick up a copy. I've actually never played the Genesis version of the game. I only ever played the Super Nintendo version. Yeah, it's not super cheap. It doesn't look to be super cheap. Um, I gotta see if I have a copy. I actually don't know if I have a copy of this on Genesis. I have to to look. So bad. I'm glad you mentioned Legacy Music Hour, though. That's, you know, that's why uh, I'm called St. John. Uh, For for people who are just joining the show, maybe from the previous episode when I shouted out all the autism stuff, St. John is not my last name. John is my first name. Uh, But I I inherited the moniker St. John through Legacy Music Hour, They're, they would have this thing where periodically they'd say, "Hey, we really want this game. Anyone in the list, any one of the listeners who has this game, send us a copy." And so I actually, I'm both pained at the fact that I did this, but don't regret it because it, you know, because of the inroads it made. But I actually sent them my boxed copy of Contra Hardcore. Oh wow, that's, yeah. a, that's an expensive game too. Wow. I I know. I, I think unless I win the lottery, I probably will never have a hard copy again. But in response to that, uh, 
uh, Rob F. Switch started started uh, referring to me as Saint John, and then I got a couple years into doing the podcast, and I connected with Keyglyph, and Keyglyph's like, "No, I know you as Saint John. That's how I know you. That's what you need to be." And so ever since then, that's how I that's how I've uh, that's how I've been. You know, I'm Saint John. Thanks to the Legacy Music Hour. So, and I can't remember if I told you this, but. Uh, a few months back, Brent Weinbach did a, you know, because he does touring stand-up comedy. And yeah, you mentioned he came to your town. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I told that story. Right, no need to tell it again then. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast. You definitely told me about this. I can't okay. remember if it was on the podcast or not. Okay, well then, in case, just in case it wasn't, uh, it's actually, it was ac- actually up in Ames, uh, where Iowa State University is. It's about a 40-minute drive north of Des Moines. And uh, so I was up there. I made a couple friends. Uh, there's a couple young guys, uh, ISU students, that, that did a chip album. It's Chip Tribute album. It's original music. And uh, next weekend, I'm going to go up to Ames and we're going to kind of do a two for recording because one of the guys does a podcast where he interviews people around ISU. And we're going to, we're like going to rent the radio studio up in, at the ISU campus for like five hours so we can record a Channel F where we f- feature their album. And then we're going to immediately switch to recording his episode where he interviews me and all this stuff. I'll probably, I'll talk a lot about. VGM and being a video game podcaster and all that stuff. And I'll probably talk a lot about, you know, my, my ADHD and stuff like that too, but it's going to be weird to like the whole time the tape is rolling, but okay, now this is his episode. Okay. This is, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Uh, so is there anything else you want to talk about on this track? No, no. I think, I think we've discussed all there is to say about Chester. No, uh, again, I think it's, I, I, I seem to recall it's a fun game. So I, I gotta go try this again. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. Well, so we're going to go to the Amiga now, and we're going to go to a track called Industrious from a game called Jazz Jackrabbit. And I guess I got to scroll back up to see the composer information on this. Composers are Robert A. Allen and or Joshua Jensen. So let's check it out.
Okay, and this is Industrious from Jazz Jackrabbit. Have you ever played this game? Oh, I played like a DOS version a very long time ago. It was, you know, a shareware... Uh, it's a shareware game originally, right? Like you bought a $5 version, and if you liked it, you could send away for the other levels. That's how this worked? Uh, maybe. I mean, I certainly remember... I got into PC gaming so late that shareware was almost over by the time I had got in. Yeah. So, but I certainly know what it is, what shareware is. God, that's so that's such a weird paradigm now. We're so far removed from that that it just feels so foreign. Well, yeah, I mean, now you can download a free demo, right? Mm -hmm. it, was, yeah. it was just a different time, you know, it's what you had to do. Sure, sure. Well, I also never played an Amiga back in the day. I bought an Amiga 500 off of eBay in like 2013. And it has the distinction of being the only system I own that I own absolutely zero games for. So I, I literally, I mean, I turned it, I turned it on to make sure it works, but I've literally never played it in the ten years since I've owned it. And with everything being disc-based, it's kind of hard, you know, because a lot of those discs are kind of starting to lose their integrity. I mean, you could get a ROM and then copy it to a disc, I suppose. But do you have an? Well, yeah, I was just reading about the history of, of Jazz Jackrabbit. I should have done beforehand. It was it was definitely a straight work game. Uh, okay. Back in the 90, 94 was the first version. Uh, do you have an Amiga? I had one, but I, I sold it many many years ago just because of uh, lack of space. Oh okay. Yeah, they do take up quite a bit of space, don't they? They they do. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was I I was moving, and even though I was moving into a bigger place, I uh, I got rid of it when I moved because. I just didn't want to store it anymore, I guess. I, I like the Amiga. I mean, I did programming on it. It's, Amiga's a great computer. It, it's just uh, too much too much space, man. It's not modular, so it's not, like, easy to... You can't, like, store the mother, like, the computer part away and just have the keyboard out. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. my computer right now is inside an enclosed space, mm -hmm. and I, I'm not tripping over it. And I just have the keyboard. You can't do that with the Amiga. Right, right. Yeah, I wish, I really want to start getting Amiga games so I can actually start using this thing. And I love the, I love the system. It's got a, such a unique sound system. You know, the, uh, the CPU and the graphics hardware are very similar to a Genesis. So, uh, you know, it's kind of like Genesis from a visual perspective, but something closer to a Super NES from a sound perspective. I there are arguments both ways. I generally, I think I generally prefer the sound of Amiga over the sound of the Super NES. But so I had mentioned the the uh, episode of Channel One that was focusing on computer games from 2018, and this is the track that was from that episode. And uh, so if you if you rewind like 30, 40 years, a lot more cities had local television programs that they would make than today. You know, that's something that's really kind of fallen by the ways. I mean, like. You know, Mr. Rogers was out of what Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? He was just like a local, yeah, yeah, a local it was show. A PBS show that blew up. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, that became popular. Another, you know, syndicated, whatever the right term is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, now it's like, unless unless a medium sized or smaller city lucked out with a big hit, it's pretty much just the major cities that still make local shows. You know that that go everywhere, right? Well, back in the, I think it started in the fifties and it ran all the way up through the guy's death in the 80s. I actually was on an episode of the show. There was a local Des Moines show about a, he, it, was a it was a comedian and he had a puppet dog and you know, he would 
entertain children and do cartoons and stuff like that. It was uh, it was called the Floppy Show, and and since most of these a lot of these older computer games were on floppy disks, that's what the episode was called. It was called the Floppy Show, and so. I don't know, maybe I'll include a link to that episode in the in the show notes, but this this track was from that. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and this track was not in my original draft of tracks. I originally was going to feature another track from from uh, Animal Crossing because I thought, you know, what bigger game is there in the animal world than Animal Crossing? Uh, but I thought, yeah, we just heard that last episode, and and I had almost forgot about Jazz Jackrabbit, and then when I remembered, I remembered how good this track was. So I'm like, let's throw this one in. So, I don't think I have anything else of substance to say. So, let's go to our next uh, track, which is the same animal. Same animal. Yeah. Is this the last rapid song? Hold on. Yes. Bucky O'Hare on the NES. Kind of a, I'm going to call it a sleeper game. I don't don't know how popular this game was. Great soundtrack, though. The composer is Tomoko Sumiyama. This is... The track is called Cell, C-E-L-L, like you are in a jail cell, mm-hmm. as in you are selling merchandise. <laughs> um, let's fire that up. Yeah, self Bucky O'Hare, kind of a slow build-up on this one. Is this a Konami game? It is, yeah. Okay, because I was going to say this very much sounds like Konami Kukeha Club. It does, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really catchy title. Um, again, maybe not a game that people played a ton. I don't remember this being like a real big seller. I don't think it's obscure, but I, I don't think it was a huge hit either. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that in between. Somewhere in between, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I ever played it, but I do remember seeing pictures for it in like EGM or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever play it? No, actually I did not. I completely forgot about this game till uh, we started doing this episode. Okay. This is very a very fun track. And you know, um, we talk about the limitations of the master system sound chip. The NES was only barely more advanced sound-wise. So it's a situation where 
a, a piece of music from a game could could go in a hundred other games and would fit. Mm-hmm. You know, and we talked. Oh yeah, this this would definitely fit in a, a different game. I I immediately thought like a TMNT game. Or hell, this yeah. would work in a Metal Gear game. I mean, of course, we're talking all Konami and Ultra stuff. So, so, and of course, Ultra was Konami. It was just their way of getting past their arbitrary number of game limits per year that Nintendo imposed back in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sometimes wonder if they they composed a bank of songs and just picked you know which which ones fit a particular game. Sure, I mean that's certainly possible. Yeah, I don't know. I that's not something to re- research right this moment, but that is an interesting question to maybe look into at some point. Or if someone listening knows the answer to that, you know, uh, blow us up about it. Uh, yeah. I wonder. I wonder how easy it is to get a hold of this game. I next time we record, I will pre-search for the, the prices of all these games. <laughs> okay. Okay. You know, one thing we'll have to make sure we do, uh, we're, we know, by the way, listeners, we already know what tracks are going to be in the, the, uh, best of season three. We're not going to spoil anything. We're not going to say anything, but we know that. So maybe, yeah, maybe have that information, uh, for each of those tracks when, when, uh, we record that. And then also, uh, oh shoot, I don't, I forgot what I was going to say. I'll probably edit that out. If I remember, I'll pop back up. But well, here here's a copy of Bucky O'Hare that actually has bids. I was trying to find one that has has bids. Um, although it says reserve not met. I, why do you have reserve? Why is reserve a thing in eBay? <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, I do know because you want it. You want it to sell for a minimum amount so you make your money. But you also want to start with a really low introduction price, which will compel people to bid. Okay. I mean, that's the psychology of it. I, you can, you and I probably both feel the same way about it, but I think that's, I think that's mechanically what's happening there. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. But this is Bucky O'Hare Nintendo NES 1992, 100% complete in box CIB Konami Rare. And this appears to be a complete copy of Bucky O'Hare with all the, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. There are 10 bids reserve, not met. What, what do you think this this is going for right now? A uh, hundred bucks. No, the correct answer right now two sixty five is the current bid, and the reserve is not met. Reserve not met. The buy it now price is eight twenty five. Wow. So you are not going to be getting Bucky O'Hare. The only thing that is more expensive. Oh, geez, this, this does not have bids though. Okay, the Bucky O'Hare LCD game, new fire sealed flame icon again rare fire again konami nes tmnt nintendo i don't know why they put those other words in the title and i'm guessing that's four digits uh no it's 649 they're starting it at okay i don't see any other listings for this right now though i can think of about a i can think of about a thousand things that i would sooner do with that amount of money oh yeah yeah i get 325 cups of coffee or something would be a better use of, <laughs> of that money all right okay Let's all right so the next one yeah our, we're gonna we're so we're done with the rabbits but we're not done with space we're going to hear a track called and i'm presuming the pronunciation is zonus it's spelled like zones with an extra s at the end it's from Star Fox 64 on the n64 and the composers are either koji kondo and or hajime wakai so let's check it out
Okay, and that's Zone S, and I do apologize if I'm mispronouncing that, anyone. Uh, I figured we need to, we don't do enough N64 music on this show. Mm-hmm. So let's bring in something from the N64. Although the end, you know, of the mainstream, let's call it the mainstream big uh, Nintendo console. So let's rule out the Virtual Boy. Let's rule out the the pre-NES Pong clone stuff of the big Nintendo systems. Mm-hmm. The N64 is actually probably my personal least favorite Nintendo system. Yeah, it was it was really just a vehicle to play a couple Zelda games for me. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't play a whole lot else on it. Um, what else did I play on there? I mean, Paper Mario, I would have played. Yeah, those are really it. It was a Zelda system. Donkey Kong 64 I played quite a bit, too. That, that was a fun game. I know a lot of people like to kind of rip on that game. I, I think it's good. I've never played it, but um, yeah, I, I, I agree. I feel like of that generation, I feel like the the best, the absolute best individual games of that generation were overwhelmingly N64 games. But out, once you get outside the the highlights, the, the library is not a lot, <clears throat> yeah. you know. I think overall the PlayStation had the best library of the generation. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know. not even close. <clears throat> yeah, right. So you, with the N64, you have a, a smattering of really bright lights and then a bunch of darkness, whereas the PlayStation, maybe it didn't have as many of those like, oh my God, these are the best game ever games, but it just was full of amazing game after amazing game after amazing game. I talk about how there's only two times in gaming history where the Nintendo system was not my favorite system of the era and, you know, the 16-bit era we've already established and then this this generation was the other one. Uh, I was... I, I wanted I wanted the Saturn to be my favorite. Like, the Saturn is kind of like mm-hmm. my darling. of the, This is like the darling of the generation for me. Kind of like the PC Engine is of its yeah, generation. Yeah. But uh, I think I'm a PS1 guy for the for that era. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it's the third-party support, right? I mean, both the Nintendo 64 and and Saturn. Saturn didn't re- barely even competed in that generation. I mean, it was discontinued very early. Mm-hmm. You know, it, but neither the neither of those two systems had good third-party support. Sure, right, right. The, the Saturn started with good third-party support, but it kind of dropped uh, right away. And Nintendo 64. I, I'm really struggling. Someone will be, I'm sure, shouting at their uh, MP3 player while they're <laughs> driving to grandmother's house right now, or whatever you're doing over, over November. But this is, uh, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a third-party game I played on Nintendo 64. Hmm. Um, I realize Donkey Kong 64 maybe technically is a third. It's somewhere I, it's, it's fuzzy at the time, right? I, I think um, that I think that it's actually technically considered a second-party game. Yeah, I mean, it was developed by Rare, who's now owned by Microsoft. It's confusing to me, but... Mm-hmm. Like, did I play a third... I mean, I... No, I played the Cruising games. Those were Nintendo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I, I played all the pro wrestling games on the Nintendo 64, but that was just to try them all out. Um, only one of them's any good. Those would all be third party, I believe. Those would be third party, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly acclaim, right? Uh, yeah, um, THQ. THQ, okay, all right, okay. Yeah, I knew it was... Yeah, one. some acclaim, yeah. I think THQ took it over. At least okay. the good ones are THQ. Okay. You know what's funny, now that you say that, I, I don't know that I can think off the top of my head of a third-party N64 game I played either, although I'm certain that I have. I'm not going to bother to go look, but I'm sure I have some third-party N64 games out there. 
Well, and then you also had, you know, in certain ways, the hardware was really incredible. You know, it was future, futuristic in terms of like the ability to blur textures so they weren't all grainy and stuff. But I think going for the the cartridge format was a really bad idea because at the time memory was so expensive. You couldn't, you know, even if you had the hardware to do amazing things, it was so, you were so space constricted that I, I really think it suffered for as a result of that. Certainly in the sound department. I mean, I think, I mean, N64 sounds really good. It's, it's like Super Nintendo, but better. <laughs> but when you're comparing that against CD-ROM, it's, it, it still doesn't compete well. You know what I mean? Paperboy 64. I played a bunch of that. Too. <laughs> okay, good. good. Sorry. Sorry. No. I sold, I, my brain hasn't moved past that topic yet. Oh, um, no. I, I actually love that that just happened. I thought that was Paper a Paperboy 64 is kind of, it's, it's actually like, it's kind of one of those fun bad games. You okay. Know what I mean? Okay. Like, it's it's not gonna you know it's never gonna win game of the year, but it's kind of fun in a warped sort of way. I refer to those games as my guilty pleasure or as guilty pleasure games. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've talked about that. The CDI Zelda games, Street Fighter One, those are examples of guilty pleasure games yeah. for me. Yeah. Oh, by the way, do you know that there's a new game coming out that's in the style of the CDI Zelda games? I, I heard about this, yeah. That sounds like a terrible idea. Oh no, I can't. Someone's cannot, gonna like it. It's I, for somebody. I, it's for me. It's for me. I cannot tell you how excited I am about it. It's called RZ. There's a subtitle to it. Uh, I will take a second to look this up here. The Jewel of Faramore. Okay, RZ, okay. The Jewel of Faramore, which very much sounds like a CDI Zelda game title. But they use they bring back a bunch of the same voice actors and they use the exact same animation style for the cutscene. Well, the whole game is using the same, you know, because the action sequences of the CDI Zelda games are kind of this almost nice hand-drawn, you know, kind of painting style art. It's really good, actually. And then the cutscenes are just notoriously atrocious in every respect. And they were able to bottle that same ironic magic for every aspect of RZ. So I'm, I am super, I'm, I'm going to be a day one guy for RZ, I think. So... Uh, uh, I'm ready to move on though. If you are, well, no, yeah. oh, well, I'm, I'm so sorry. One more thing. We talked about EGM, uh, earlier and it might not have been EGM. It might've been one of the other game magazines of the time, but I remember something hilarious and I want the listeners, if anyone out there in listener world remembers this, tell me, um, you know, the, the Star Fox 64, they actually spoke in intelligent words rather than the original Star Fox where it was just chopped up samples of like wing damage and shield and all that stuff to make the voices. Um, and I love that in the article for Star Fox 64 in whatever magazine this was, they, they made fun of that. They, they had pictures of the Star Fox characters, you know, standing in like that noble pose and then talk bubbles with gibberish in it. Okay. Which I literally, at the time as a 17-year-old, I literally laughed out loud. And I think I kept laughing for two or three minutes when I saw that. That's, that's very much my sense of humor. Um, so anyone in listener world, if you, re if you remember, if you have memories of that, you know, especially if you have screenshots, because I've, I've tried looking that up and I can't find anything. So if, if you have something, you'll make my day if you send it to me. Okay, and Hugh, sorry for the, fal sorry for the false ending there. I'm ready to move oh, on no. Oh, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, move on to uh, Lemmings, another animal-themed game, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, the original game was comp uh, composed by some combination of uh, Brian Johnson, uh, Tony Williams, and Tim Wright. 
Uh, I picked the Sega Master System version, which is Matt Furness. Um, I, maybe a ranger is the better term there. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is just creatively called uh, Levels 3 and 20. another really excessively happy song like like the mr nuts track from earlier yes yes really it is. Fun. now you know the story the premise of lemmings is based on uh something that was staged right that there was a famous documentary about uh claiming that lemmings would like hurl themselves off of cliffs right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that was a well established fact you realize in that documentary the uh the creator actually threw the lemmings off the cliff oh god <laughs> yeah it was staged there there have been rumors of lemmings doing you know kind of dumb things while migrating you know think salmon swimming upstream you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there there have been stories that lemmings but no actual evidence of this that they would do dumb things like that while migrating uh it turns out they don't because like as a species you would not be alive sure uh, but the the creator of this documentary was so adamant that this was a real thing that he rounded up some lemmings took them to a different location um and then chucked them off a cliff that is horrible <laughs> it, it is yeah it really is yeah uh is that the is that the related reading in our show notes there it is yeah about I'll it Okay, I'll put that in the show, in the episode notes for the release. Uh, so anyone who wants to hear about that can do that. I okay, of course I knew the whole thing about the whole trope about lemmings running off cliffs. I you know that's that's why it's part of our vernacular. Oh, they're just a bunch yeah. of lemmings, right? You know, I, yeah. um, what I didn't know is that that there was no truth to it. That it was all yeah, just a scam. Yeah, totally made up. Yeah, completely. And and okay, so so here's the delicious part. I like a lemming. Just took the story at it at face value. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh wow, that that's. I mean, it's horrible. That's that's. 
that would that would never fly today. Thank goodness, you know. Wow, well, I'm equal parts offended by the violence perpetrated on these animals and in, collectively insulting all of our intelligences, uh, including mine, because I fell for it. But I'm also just stunned by how, like, how do you expect to get away with something like that? You know, I'm. Well, the documentary was made in 1958, and I, I think you got away with a lot of stuff in 1958 that, that would not fly today. Well, certainly more than certainly more than would fly today for sure. But like, like, how did he not think that someone somewhere who actually knew the truth would just not come and wreck the whole thing? I mean, that, it sounds to me like I mean, like I could go and create like a a documentary that's just completely made up, right? And that sounds like a fun thing to do as a parody, but when you try to do it as a serious thing, I would just get ripped to shreds for that, and I would deserve to be. It, it was the fifties, I guess. Yeah, I mean, even with it within our lifetimes, the the phrase uh, "fake but accurate" was was used to describe something. Okay. Um, I can get into it because it's recent politics, but that's what I think the case. I think that's what was going on here. Is I think the the filmmaker believed this to be a real thing that lemmings did but he could not find lemmings that actually did it so they staged it okay so fake so in his view it was a fake but accurate uh case i'm not defending the filmmaker uh, i hope he i hope he fell off a cliff um <laughs> I, I don't really know what happened to them because it, it is truly awful um well, luckily, the top of this person's the director's Wikipedia page is all about the Lemmings controversy and the, the okay. fakeness of it. So there you okay. go. Okay. Okay. At least they will always be remembered for, um, for for this awful thing they did. Now I'm expecting there to be a T-shirt that says, uh, like, shows like Lemmings falling and says, "Never forget" or something. <laughs> yeah. So whatever, we can move on from uh, from from Lemmings. Okay, well let's uh, let's let's go to dolphins then. Yes. Uh, okay. All right. My next track is called "Hanging Waters" and it's from Echo, Defender of the Future, on the Dreamcast and PS2, and it's composed by Tim Fallen. So let's check it out.
Okay, and this is uh, Hanging Waters from Echo, Defender of the Future. What a beautiful track. God, I am so in love with this track. Have you heard this track before Before now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've listened to all the Echo uh, soundtracks at some point. Okay. They're all very relaxing. Well, what I love about this is it was much later. I mean, it's been t- probably 10 years since I discovered this was Tim Fallen, but that's still pretty late when you're first playing the game in like 2000. Uh, and... It, it, I was so blown away that it was Tim Fallon because it's like, this sounds so unlike his other stuff, and yet it sounds so exactly like his other stuff. Yeah, I, I guess I would not have guessed Tim Fallon as the composer for this. Well, I certainly didn't pick up on it uh, organically in 2000, but I can hear so many Fallenisms going on in this track now that I know. You know. What a beautiful soundtrack. There was something else I was going to say about this. Oh, you know, the the t-shirts came up at, in the last conversation. And so I guess I'll give a quick update about t-shirts. I didn't buy either of the t-shirts we talked about in the last episode, the ZX Spectrum or the Spectrum Hall or buy one. I bought, but I did buy three t-shirts and uh, one of them I'm wearing now. It's, it's, I really tend to geek things that 99% of people will not get, but the one guy who does get it across the room will like lose his mind over, you know? That's the kind of stuff I tend to go for. And so I'm wearing a t-shirt. It says, it has a Linux command on it. It's sudo rm-rf slash. So it's basically the self-destruct code in Linux. Mm -hmm. Remove, reformat, uh, root folder. Uh, But it's got the picture of like this big explosion with like little bits of stuff just like flying every which way. And and so, yeah, no one's going to get it except for that one guy who's going to just start laughing. I also, uh, well, okay, no, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I got an, uh, I got an autism T-shirt, two autism T-shirts. I got one that says autism. Uh, I just run on a different operating system, which I think is even funnier because I'm a Linux user. Uh, and then the third one I bought, it's, it has, it's still in the mail, it hasn't arrived yet. It's uh, a blue T-shirt with Super Mario 64 font with all the different colors of the font. And it just says super ADHD. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that. But speaking of things that 99% of people won't get, are you familiar with the Don't Walk guy from Streets of Rage 2? The box no. art. So look at the, the box look, art. Oh, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. The guy is walking underneath the Don't Walk sign, but because of a trick of perspective, it looks like he's wearing it like a giant helmet. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a friend, uh, Gretel Ranch, who is really. She, She's not a professional customer, but she's an arts, really artsy and crafty. And I had mentioned last year how I really wished, I thought, Don't Walk Guy really needs to be a costume for, you know, Halloween or a cosplay or whatever. And uh, she answered the call. She said we could do it with uh, plastic mesh, right? And so I got to walk around a comic book uh, uh, fair in a Don't Walk helmet. And I actually had a couple people get the reference. You know, I uh, had a couple strangers come up and say, can I get my picture with you? Can I get my picture with you? And I'm like, of course you can. Uh, but then also for Halloween, we walked the neighborhood. And I, I needed a handler because looking, walking around wearing plastic mesh is kind of like looking through a microwave door, as my friend Adam put it, because uh, he put the, co- the helmet on. But yeah, so uh, we now, maybe, maybe the first time anyone's ever worn a Don't Walk Guy costume. <laughs> But I thought, you know, 99% of people are going to react with bafflement and or alarm at this. And then that 1% is just going to lose their mind. I don't think I have anything else to say. Uh, So we can go on to your next track if you'd like. Yeah, so we'll stick with uh, water-themed games. I don't know how much of this is intentional or not, but uh, we'll go with uh, 
Uh, Splash Lake. Oh, I messed up the show notes. I'm sorry about that. I just realized now I did a very bad job here. Oh, well, let's go. Sorry. Well, on, we'll have the composer. Hold on, let me, let me catch my, my thought here. I just realized I copied and pasted stuff badly. Okay. All right, sticking with water theme. I think we got three water themed games in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, Splash Lake. So this was a, a PC Engine and TurboGrafx-16 CD game. This is another one. Don't try to look for this on eBay. I'll, I'll warn you right now. <laughs> uh, I have a copy of it. I wrote a, uh, a guide to it a few years ago when I was, I don't know, bored or, or restless one day. It's okay. just credited as Tease Music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they, they did a couple of games. Um, I think they're just a generic like music uh, consulting company. They probably did like commercials and stuff too, if I had to guess. Uh, but you do see them on a few PC Engine CD games. PC Engine CD, I see them quite a bit. I, I have seen them credited on other systems as well. Mm-hmm. And which track did I pick? Since I accidentally butchered the show notes. This is track seven. Track seven. Uh, there aren't titles for the tracks that I'm aware of. Uh, so yeah, let's go uh, track seven, Splash Lake. actually a kind of similar game to Thin Ice. It, it didn't really occur to me until I was putting these notes together that like Thin Ice was one of my favorite television games. And then Splash Lake is a, a Turbo Graphics CD game I liked a lot. Uh, Splash Lake is a lot harder. When I made the guide for it, I, I had to... There was a lot of save state abuse, let's just say, <laughs> to make a, a guide on how to play all the levels of Splash Lake. Okay. But same kind of idea where you're uh, a very naughty bird who is dunking other creatures in the water. <laughs> Although in Splash Lake, some of the creatures seem to be evil. It seems more like you're defending your lake from these evil creatures. So at least there's a teleology behind it. There, there is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a fun game. Very difficult as it goes on, but but also very fun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I. I mean, I'm. 
the name has crossed my radar before, and I'm sure I've heard music before, but I, I had no idea what this game was about. Uh, I'll have to yeah, look it up. I, as of right now, if you type Splash Lake Guide into Google, you, you do get my my guide for Splash Lake. Yep, top, top result. Yeah. I, I, I don't do any SEO. It's just nobody else has ever written a guide for the game. Well, it also occurred to me this would be the quickest and easiest way to get a sense of what the game's about. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes about that too. $5.31. You say that does not, that's not the price anymore. That is not the price anymore. <laughs> no, I, I put the, I stuffed the receipt in the box and I, you can see I bought it in uh, uh, April 25th, 1996. Yes. It was $5 at, uh, what did I say? Software Center or Babbage's? One of those two. Uh, I don't think the picture shows. I say, it says Babbage's right there on the bottom. I can read it now. Okay. okay. Thank you for shopping at Babbage's. We I do see it. Your business. Yeah. Yes. Yep. There it is. Ah, uh, Babbage's. Yep. Okay. Um, I wasn't even a big fan of Babbage's. Um, but I went there, obviously, and saw their, their clearance bin. Very cool. But uh, all the music in the game has this kind of lighthearted sound to it. Yeah, it it sounds very well, especially the wow, wow, you know. That's I don't know. It's almost kind of got a splatty sound to that voice. Mm-hmm. It is fun. It is fun. <sighs> uh, you had asked. You would uh, just as a throwaway comment. Uh, during the echo video or uh, track you had said i don't know how much thought there was behind there being three water-based tracks in a row and no that was totally deliberate on my part it was okay all right i saw yeah i I saw your sword order i'm like you know what that's pretty good i mean like you know as as games go like i thought i I, this isn't a time to rehash the sword order oh and it's okay but like lemmings and mr nuts sound so much alike to me or at least they're thematically very similar that i'm you know, but it doesn't really know their way to arrange it because, like, Mister Nuts sounds pretty good next to Chester Cheetah too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there was, there wasn't. A, I mean, I could have. There wasn't a way to make it perfect. I could have yeah. made it better musically, but I decided to go more thematically. Yeah, you know, we're so, not just playing them continuously. Maybe if you do like the music only mix. Oh, I did. It'll be confusing. Well, I did do the music only mix, but I I put them in the same order as they appeared okay. in the episode. Okay, so, I gotta check that out. I'm, I'm curious how it all sounds now. Yeah, well, I'll send you. I'll send you a link. Uh, so, so yeah, I thought let's go theme. You know, so let's put all the space ones together. Let's put the two rabbit ones. To, well, the rabbit ones come together with the space anyway, and then let's put the water ones together and stuff. So that's how I did that. Well, except we've got one water based one that's not with the water ones, but well, it'll make sense later. It's, yeah, it'll make sense when we get to it. Yeah, so let's go to our not last water theme one, (laughs) Uh, and this is this is I have talked before about a theoretical hypothetical like top fifty video game music pieces of all time for me, and this is somewhere on that list. I just this track is one of my favorite pieces of VGM of all time, and I heard it on Legacy Music Hour. So thanks again, uh, Brent and Rob, for that. Uh, It is called Fishing for Sema. It's from a game called Suri Taro on the Super Famicom, and the composer is Katsuhiro Hayashi. So let's check it out. 
Okay, and this is Fishing for Sema. Uh, what do you think of this track? I I can't believe this is a fishing game. This sounds like a, an RPG. Well, I can certainly believe I can certainly believe RPG. Uh, you know, it reminds me of another similar track from an RPG game. There's a track called The Hunter's Repose <clears throat> from the game Mario Senki Madara 2, which is another Legacy Music Hour discovery for me. And it's it, it's sounds and feels very similar to me. It is also a Super Famicom game. Mm-hmm. And uh, but this, you know, okay, if if I didn't know, if you had asked me to guess what genre uh, this was from in a vacuum, I probably would have also guessed RPG. But knowing it's from a fishing game, what I get is sitting on kind of a foggy little pond in a small fishing boat in the quiet of the morning, early morning, mm-hmm. and having it just be this beautiful, beautiful, relaxing little place. Actually, I think of some place in particular, uh, just just north of Des Moines, we have a big dam called Sailorville uh, Spillway, Sailorville Dam, Sailorville Spillway, mm-hmm. and it's a great big park. I mean, it's not it's a great it's not just the spillway and the dam. There's a bunch of Sailorville is much bigger than that, and there's a bunch of little lakes in the Sailorville area, and there's this particular one that I I see this track happening on. Okay, you know it's ringed by trees. It's really it's small. I mean, it's you know this entire lake is probably no bigger than a football field. Okay. You know, but it's got it's got a boat ramp and so I just I picture hearing the quiet nature sounds muted by the fog, ringed by the trees. Just what a beautiful place. And and that's that's what I think when I hear this track. So it, based on the size, they must seed it or something, right? They must yeah, well, you can't think, actually fish there. Right? You it's would, a pretty small lake. Yeah, you would think they'd have to. I guess I, you know. I guess I never even considered that. I was never a fisherman. You know, uh, I, I never really got into fishing. But I still think the idea of sitting on a small boat in a lake like this in a situation like that with this music like this is heavenly. Yeah, yeah. It's probably more. Uh, I would say country or classic rock. You're getting on the the boats on that lake would be my guess. Um, probably. Well, I don't know about that, but definitely, I'm sure I'd be really shocked to encounter a boat playing this. Uh, no, one hundred percent, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. I'm just playing the odds on, on what kind of music is is on that lake boat. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, in the, I don't know. In in this in the here in the city, you've got more eclectic taste in music. You get out in the country, you'd be more likely to run it. I mean, country music, of course, is. A thing here. I'm sure it's a big thing yeah. there. You know yeah, what I mean? I'm not, I'm not making fun of country music. I'm just, I'm thinking of who's out, fish, you know, the, the boat that's out fishing on, on the lakes on the weekend, what they're playing. It's not Super Nintendo music. <laughs> if I get out on a boat, it's going to be Super Nintendo music, or it's going to okay. be some, some genre of music that uh, does not fit the motif at all. And then some other boat comes by and they're like, what the hell are you listening to? I'm like, what the hell are you listening to? you know, and it's their country or whatever. I, I have zero love for country music. It's one of the few genres I say I have absolutely zero interest in whatsoever. Yeah, I, I really, I, I I don't care for it myself, but I really think it's just a matter of what you grew up with. Well, yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But I would want to have something really weird that just like totally messes with the people. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, th- we've talked about this before, but that's a big part of my sense of humor is sub- subversion. Take a concept, flip it on its head. 
Mm-hmm. Like I've, I don't have any tattoos, but I've, I've sworn to myself, if I do get a tattoo, it's going to be of the word tattoo in as bland a font as possible. Maybe in brackets. Just because that totally defeats the whole purpose. I mean, a tattoo is supposed to represent something about you or something you're interested in, right? And and so that would, or if I were in a in like a public restroom stall and people have written all over the walls and I happen to have a sharpie with me, I would be the guy that writes the word graffiti. Mm-hmm. You know, just that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, no, I this this is on that hypothetical theoretical imaginary list of John's top 20 top 50 pieces of VGM of all time. All right. I, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's move on. We are getting into the final stretch of the episode. This is our third to last track of the day. This is our second to last track with talking and our mm-hmm. last track of the day of, from Hugh with talking. Yeah. So tell us about it. Just about, yeah. So this was the first one I picked, actually. Uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze Windmill Hills. So this is uh, a very difficult stage in the game. I This is a game you you, you certainly lose a lot of lives in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this stage in particular really messed with me. Uh, fun music, though. Really, really fun. So this is on Wii U and Switch, and the composer is David Wise. So I like this track because it actually sounds like the stage. Like if you've never played this game, I think you can picture the stage. I have played this game, but I didn't get all that far into it. Okay. Yeah, this is past. I was debating between this or the uh, jungle stage. Uh, not the jungle stage, I'm sorry. Um, the um, savanna stage. 
Okay. That that's another really really good one. But that track's like seven minutes long. It has like vocals and all kinds of stuff going on. It's I thought it was too much. Oh well, this track. I'll say this track is fantastic. So I'm yeah. I'm perfectly fine that you chose this track. But yeah. I would have been fine with that track too. In fact, yeah, I have, thought I was I was listening. I'm like, ah, I, it's it, there's too much going on in this track. It's uh, uh, it's too wild. Okay. That's a fun track. Too. This overall, it's a good soundtrack. I mean, it's, there's there's pieces that are obviously throwbacks to the old Donkey Kong Country games. Oh, of course. Uh, this is one of the more original tracks, so I, I like this one a lot. Very, very difficult. I did actually finish the main uh, story of the game, as much as, as, as a Donkey Kong game has a story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then there's a bunch of, like, bonus super levels that you can unlock. Mm -hmm. And man, those are just brutal unbelievably hard you you just have to have perfect timing on on everything and i i gave up on those but getting through the main story i felt was a, a good accomplishment okay i uh I, i'm trying to remember how long how far into the game i got i think i think i stalled out somewhere in world two okay so that's not even up to the the, the savannah level yeah yeah i don't think i made it to the savannah i definitely didn't make it here um, you know, so a sincere question. Uh, this yeah. is the kind of this is the question I should know the answer to, and I don't. Okay. To the best of your record, well, you might you you'd be okay. the you'd be the next best person to ask. Uh, okay. To the best of your recollection, have we ever featured music with vocals on Channel Two? Uh, no. I've I've thought about doing a vocal episode where we only do vocal tracks. Um, outside of maybe like a yeah, you know, something like oh, that. Yeah, right. We have and, and the safari track out. Safari. Why are you saying safari? The savannah track. Uh, I guess we can take a safari to this to the savannah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that, again, that's more like cheering sounds. It's not like someone singing. Okay. You know, uh, but I I, th I think we at some point should do a, a vocal episode. Oh, totally. I can already think of two or three tracks I'd want to include. Yeah, it'll be a lot of RPGs. A lot of RPGs, of course, do do vocal tracks. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I, I think that I think that would be really interesting. Okay, let's. Uh, now we've got two episode ideas for twenty twenty four. Yeah, so someone will pick Nights into Dreams. I'm sure. I don't know which one of us will will, will pick that, but that'll be on there. I'm sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Okay. So. Is there anything else you want to say about this track? No, no. Just uh, this is another really again difficult but fun game. It it really feels like a really okay. So we talk about uh, how Mario has survived well into the modern era, and this really kind of feels like they somehow bottled that same magic. I mean, at its core, it's Donkey Kong, it's Super Nintendo Donkey Kong Country, mm -hmm. but then they've updated the visuals and then they've added just it's just the right mix of the exact same game and new stuff piled into the game to, yeah. to fatten it up it is yeah yeah yep, yeah one of the many uh it, you talk about like uh systems that didn't do well that you still you know adore like the wii u had some great games uh, mm. most of the best games for wii u have been ported to switch at this point and this is one of them sure but to me this is this is just an example of why the wii u was i think a good system uh Again, lack of third-party support. I get didn't have Madden, didn't have the big franchises. I think it has one Assassin's Creed game. You know, like that's about there's your third-party support basically. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but it, it, but but yeah, this it had a lot of great first party games. Well, the Wii U, the Wii U does have one advantage over the Switch in that it actually had a Call of Duty game. It, it did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's any good, but it had one. It, it was good. I played. I played. I played it on the Switch, or I'm sorry, on the Wii U. It was good. Uh, I I love the Wii U, and you know we got to think about. It. Everyone calls the Wii U a failure, right? It's only a failure relative to the success of all the other Nintendo systems. In the grand scheme of things, it was not a failure. It. Was, I refer to it as not. I refer to it as a market disappointment, as opposed mm-hmm. to a failure. It it's a it's a failed system that somehow has the best game ever made on it, right? What are you calling the best game ever? Oh, made? I was going with Breath, I was going with the original Breath of the Wild. Oh, um, and it actually has I controversial opinion. It has the better version of Breath of the Wild. Oh, um, because you have the second screen. Well, you have the second screen, which I didn't really use that much. But uh, this is like a really obscure little tidbit. You have um, Wolf Link in the Wii U version, but not in the Switch version. Interesting. Interesting. So you can you can summon Wolf Link to come and like sniff out items for you. How did I not know about that? Yeah. Well, and I do know that uh, in the emulation community with like Simu and stuff, you know, you all these all these videos you see about Breath of the Wild in like 8K with ray tracing and all that stuff on emulators. That's always the Wii U version, not the Switch version. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, I guess so. You know, I I never I had never thought about that. I never thought I I presumed the only difference is you had the second screen and it was 720p versus 900p on the Switch and that was it. But I guess there is more to it than that. And you know, maybe that maybe it is fair to say the Wii U version's the superior version. I had never thought about that. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Well, now maybe I'll have to see if I can find a cheap copy. Well, probably there probably aren't cheap copies of the Wii U version. Probably. Probably not. No. Probably not. Hmm. Well, so are you ready to move on to our last talkie? Yep. Let's uh, let's move on. Okay. Today's penultimate track is Stage Five Three, also known as the Magic Box from World of Illusion, and we'll be going back to the Sega Genesis. Composed by Haruyo Oguro and or Tomoko Sasaki. So let's check it out.
Okay, and this is the Magic Box. I've never played this game, have you? Uh, very briefly. I, I played Castle of Illusion a ton. I did not play the sequel that much. I didn't quite click for me the same way. Okay. Okay. I think I've only played the original game just a little bit, like in a collection or something. I, I think it was in some Genesis collection. But I don't think I don't think I ever really got that big into it. I know they're acclaimed. I mean, I know they're really, mm -hmm. wa really well regarded, and their soundtrack is great. Yeah, and there's also like a Sega CD game in this line. Okay. Um, that has like it, it's like a Mickey Mouse through time is the premise. Like you're playing through like as Steamboat Mickey and other stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I well, I like that they had they do the throwback to Steamboat Willie because I presume it was all black and white and kind of thirty style artwork and all that. It was stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that's a tough game too though. It's it's strangely difficult for a Mickey Mouse game. <laughs> the poor kids that the poor kids that took psychological damage from this from, from Mickey Mouse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Every now and then, there's a game where it's like sort of kids themed, but is. Like, I, I wouldn't call Cuphead this, because Cuphead is, you know, intentionally done in, in an art style, and you know. It, but sometimes they make kids' games, or kids-themed games, that are just just brutal. I mean, the Barbie games are, on, on the old console Barbie games are like that, too. Okay. I, I think Angry Video Game Nerd must have covered them at some point. Okay. What is what is AVGN even up to these days? I haven't... I haven't, uh... Checked uh I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't... I can't get onto YouTube, because my ad blocker. That's right. That's right. Well, I'll have to. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, I mean, his stuff predates YouTube. That's what's great, right? It was on ScrewAttack.com, which was a a platform that did video game podcasts and videos before YouTube existed. Oh, neat, neat. So he yeah. really has been at this for forever. Yeah, it was only about a year before YouTube existed, but it predated YouTube, and uh, he eventually moved his stuff over to YouTube. But yeah, that all that all predated this. And he's I I know I mean he can't be much older than me, so he must have started this really, really young. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. I mean you certainly if you watch the videos over time, you certainly there's definitely a progression, man. Sure. Well, I um I actually kinda I didn't get into him back in the day because I um, he was born July tenth, nineteen eighty. He's younger than me. Holy crap! Yeah, I mean, they, I, now we like I, I, when I every time I watch like the last few episodes I watched, I really thought he needs to change the the title to like Angry Video Game Dad. <laughs> he just kind of has the middle aged dad look now. That's not okay. a criticism, right? No, but, no, no. We we all do. <laughs> you know that yeah. I think it's a more accurate it would be a, it would be a better uh better name yeah uh, okay well i so i, I yeah I, I i missed out on him back in the day because I, I don't talk about this a lot on the show but i i'm not i i'm not a i'm not a religious guy but i have a religious past and I just so happened to be in the midst of that past at the time that he was really ascendant. And I was okay. just kind of put off by how uh, all the profanity and vulgarity and stuff. Yeah. And, and you can be put off by it even if you're not really like it's on, you, you can dislike the profanity. I, I personally don't, I, it's not a problem for me. Um, well, yeah. 
But if you if you do the math, he would have done the first Angry Video Game Nerd when he was 24. Wow. Okay. Wow. I can't believe he's younger than me. I would have. I never would have thought that. That's that's. I mean, he's okay. He's only like four or five months younger than me, but still, yeah. And as far as profanity and vulgarity for me, my belief today is I like to, I like to use it uh, sparingly so that it has extra umph. You know, if, if every fifth word is the F word, it has no power, right? But if you present squeaky clean, then when you suddenly drop that F bomb, all of a sudden it like shock, it just like reverberates. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I like to, to, to surprise and delight and baffle with it. You know, so, so I, that's, that's my personal philosophy on it. I'll cut this out here. I'm messaging Jody that we're on our list. Oh yeah, we're almost, we got to, I know you got to get to your pack. Go watch the Packers play the, well, playing the Steelers. I, I, yeah. It, I, honestly, if, what's the, the, the over under on the Packers Steelers game, you can leave this in because the game is going to be over by the time we, we record. You're, you're familiar with the betting concept of over under, right? Uh, superficially. So it's it's basically you're betting on what the combined score of the game is, right? So if the okay. over under is twenty seven and a half, it always be something and a half, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. want to have a draw. That means you think the two teams combined will score twenty eight or more points. Okay. Right? If it's over under, I I think the over under on this this Steelers Packers game today, uh, hear me out, four and a half points. <laughs> I was going to say six points or 6.5 points, but four and a half, that'd pretty much just be a, like a field goal and a safety. Maybe, you know, maybe right. Okay. It's I'm not going to be a... up right now. No, I people will have the power of hindsight. Okay. To, right now to, uh, to tell me if I'm right or wrong about my over under, maybe this is a high scoring game. I don't know. Oh, okay. I just can't yeah. picture it being a barn burner. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be. Hold on, I got. I'm on a betting site. I don't like going on betting sites, but here I am. <laughs> Packers, Steelers. Um. Okay, this is the point spread they're doing. I don't see the over under on here. Most people have the Steelers as three point favorites. Okay. Okay. Which it, I thought it'd be close. Neither of these teams can score for, for people who don't know. Like there, there is there is no scoring by either of these teams right now. Um, why is it taking so long to find a site with the over under? <laughs> while you're looking, while you're okay. looking, I'll say, um, yeah, we're. I mean, we're going to watch the Packers game, but that's more for Jody than for me. You know, Jody is more of a. a, a Packers fan I kind of just inherited the Packers in the marriage basically you know um, <clears throat> I was never a sports fan until my mid-20s and then I became a pretty rabid sports fan and then I got to the point where it's kind of like Bruce Banner versus the Hulk you know like when I'm not watching I'm Bruce Banner yeah it's cool but you know you're not gonna get me worked up but then when the game's on it's like all I can do is focus on the game and I'm super excited but I don't know the past couple of years I think I mentioned this when we recorded last episode but over the past year or so I've been noticing my passion level for sports beginning to flag again like I kind of feel like I'm on, on paper, I'm still a sports fan. You know, when I'm, when I'm watching the game, I'm going to enjoy it probably, unless it's just a bloodbath. Yeah. But but I just don't feel the same 
level of well, intensity than I, I, I am. I'm shocked. The, the over on the Vegas over under for this game is 38.5. That seems ridiculous. They, they, it is right now the most bet under of all games this weekend. Well, that's understandable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I don't think I, mean, I, I, I don't think the Steelers have have they scored 38 points through nine weeks, like total, and have the the. The Packers have barely scored 38 points through nine weeks, right? Like, these are not teams that are putting up points at all. Sure. And the Steelers have a great defense. They're winning on defense, right? And, and Jordan Love has not looked good against teams with a competent defense. Sure. Right. Right. Right? So, right. Th that's your football. Like, I just can't imagine this. I can't imagine either team scoring, really. Well, maybe we'll be surprised. Yeah. All right, 38 and a half. I'm taking the under. We'll find oh, out. I'll take the under as well. Yeah. All right, so our last track of the day. <laughs> Any closing stuff before the last track? Well, yeah, we, we the, the typical closing stuff, but then one I got one other little, because there was one other little cliffhanger I left in the previous episode. When we talked at the last episode, in the opening track, I had talked about how my... My laptop was out of commission again because I needed to yet again replace the motherboard. And then I thought I was going to put Fedora on it and it was I was starting to feel the pull towards GNOME. That's the cliffhanger I left everyone on. Um, motherboard was motherboard surgery was successful. My laptop is fully functioning. It is in fact running Fedora, uh, running GNOME, and I really am I really am falling down the GNOME rabbit hole. I uh, the computer I'm recording on is the same computer I recorded on last time. Last time I was, it was running Garuda KDE Dragonized Linux. Okay. And it is now running, after a fresh install, it's running Garuda GNOME. So, uh, yeah, and, and I like this better. Uh, you know, 99.9% .9 of the people listening to this probably don't care at all. But, and then the people who do care probably already know this. So I don't know who I'm going to be doing this for, but in the show notes, I'll, I've got screenshots of um, my desktop on Fedora on the laptop with GNOME, the Steam Deck with KDE, and then this computer with GNOME. And I'll just put like Google photo links up. And if anyone's curious, they can look. And if anyone has an opinion, I'm certainly eager to hear what they think. <clears throat> but I wanted to, I didn't want to leave that cliffhanger. Uh, there, so that's that's my little micro Linux update. Uh, as otherwise, you know, be on the lookout for Audi HD stuff. I'm I'm going to do something with it sooner or later. You know, probably. I'm, maybe I'll do one video and then never do another one, or I'll do a video and like uh, enough people will say nasty things in the comments that it'll scare me away or whatever. You know, but there's going to be something. So I'll put that I'll put those links in the show notes too. Uh, I really do think though that that's everything except for our typical stuff why don't you tell why don't you do your typical end of show spiel um yeah i mean if if you want to read uh any of the stuff i post online uh go on to google and search for splash slate guide <laughs> and apparently it's the number one search result i didn't expect that either but then again i don't think anyone else has written one um that'll, that'll get you to my home site pretty quickly i guess yeah, uh, yeah. and i got another podcast called uh retro game club we're just we're working right now on Banking a few episodes to run over the holidays because we're we're both going to be pretty busy. Mm -hmm. um, so we're trying to maybe knock down a few things before, uh, uh, you know, before we go on hiatus for for winter. Sure. Well, for for the week of winter, for a week in winter at least. Sure. That's uh, that's about it. I'm I'm not on any of the social medias. I'm sorry about that. 
I actually, uh, there's a part of me that actually envies you for that. I think, yeah, um, yeah. well, I, I, my thought was after, I was going to stay on until we were done with Nerd Boys Radio, and then I was probably going to get off pretty much everything, too. Mm-hmm. If this ADHD thing ends up taking off, I may have just deprived myself of the luxury of getting off everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would hate life without social media. I guess I'd say that. So, Nerd Noise Radio, uh, since, we do, since we may have new faces in the crowd from the whole autism stuff from the previous episode i really probably should talk about channel one so you were listening to nerd noise radio channel two it's it's me and hugh it's a more conversational thing we take turns sharing tracks talking about them and a hundred other things a lot of good conversation not uh, only 14 pieces of music nerd noise radio channel one is even older it's been running since january of 2017 and it's inspired by things like npr's hearts of space where it's it's a, a, the term I use is mixtape plus. So the overwhelming majority of the episode is a giant mixtape, giant music block, designed to take you on a journey, and then it's bookended by vague, vaguely like amateur amateur's best, vague the NPR style intro and outros, and uh, it's a very different show. You know, Channel Two is completely unscripted. This is what I sound like when I actually talk to people. Whereas Channel One, I'm reading a script and talking in my smooth radio affect. You know, it's just, it's for two shows on the same subject featuring a common host and common production techniques and t- tools. I want the two to be as completely unlike each other as possible. You know, maybe they're the, the yin to each other's yang and so on and so forth. And maybe one, maybe someone will love Channel Two but not like Channel One. Maybe someone will like Channel One but not like Channel Two. I want to have both so I can scratch both itches. So if you haven't, if you're new to Nerd Noise Radio and you haven't checked out a Channel One, do that. Recently, recent we actually had Hugh do one recently, and it was outstanding. It was a really, really great episode. So Intellicop pulled down from Spotify. It was great. only it was going from great Sp- Intellicop. Yes, <laughs> only from Spotify though. It's still yes. everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. So, and by the way, we are on Spotify, but I don't recommend you follow us there because we're deprioritizing it after that. You know, I mean. We're basically just going to see how long it takes for them to kick us off Spotify, more or less. So best way for now is probably Google Podcasts, but I understand Google Podcasts will be going away too at some point. So we'll update you when we have a better, another tact after that. But for now, Google Podcasts is probably the best way or the podcatcher of your choice, like Podcast Addict or whatever would be the way to follow us. So, and with, well, okay, this is the last regular, quote unquote, regular episode of the year. Uh, for Nerd Noise Radio. I'm, I've got one channel F, which is our bonuses and betas thing coming up soon with the boys out of Ames for that for their chip album. And then other than that, all that's left this year is our best of best of year in review episodes. So those will be in December. So keep an eye out for those. And with that, I think it's time for our last track of the day and get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, let's get out of here and watch this low scoring game. Um, <laughs> TNC Surf Designs 2. Rilla's Sufari. Uh, town, what did I call it? Town and Country Surf Designs 2. I always abbreviate it sometimes. So this is a... It, it's called a sequel to Town and Country Surf Designs. It's not at all a similar game. I, okay. It's, it's just a completely different game. Composer is Paul Webb, and this is the uh, ending music to the game. This is another game I'd recommend you check out. This is a, a fun game. If you did not like Town and Country Surf Designs, that's okay. This is a, a much better game. Much well, different game. Better or worse is subjective. It's a different style of game. It's more like a platformer. 
Okay, I was just going to ask, because I, I had played TNC 1 and never, never got any good at that game at all. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, I've, I, had, I don't think I even knew that there was a second game until you brought it for this episode. What? Tell me about it real quick. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's based on the um, monkey gorilla character. I guess he's not a monkey, he's a gorilla. The gorilla okay. character from uh, the, the first game, he must have been, it's all a brand, right? This is all just stealth branding for surfwear in, in the 80s. Okay. And yeah, he's like on a, you know, surfing, skating adventure. Like, you know, just your typical uh, platform stages and... Uh, that's about it. I mean, it's it's a kind of a rare game. This is another one you're probably not going to... I, I was going to eBay this one, but I don't think you're going to get this either. Um, <laughs> this, Yeah, this is another, like, because it was, like, I think... I don't know if it was late, but it was certainly rare. Yeah, complete in box, it's 300 and loose, it's 30. Um, yeah. yeah you're, not, you're not getting this game. Yeah, probably um, not. But yeah, he, it, it's basically this guy on his... I, I keep on say skateboard because he's actually on a surfboard, but it's on land, which is okay. <laughs> and it's set, yeah, it's set in Africa, and you're just going across different uh, different levels to save your human girlfriend. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, well, now I'm here. A lot of games are like that. You know, Sonic sure. has a human girlfriend at one point too. Sure. I'm hearing a name in my head, uh, but it's probably from something completely different. You said he's a gorilla. Why am I hearing Thrilla Gorilla? Or is that from something completely different? Thrilla? Thrilla Gorilla is the name of the character. In this game. Okay, okay, good. Okay, okay then, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So I was right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I. Th I th well, I... I qualified it to death ahead of time because I was so uncomp so underconfident in that assertion, <laughs> but it turns out I was right. Okay, all right. <clears throat> and you said he's basically just a brand mascot for like a real company. Yeah, for a real company called TNC Surf Designs, which um, exists today. I don't know who's own I don't know what who owns it, but you know, in the eighties, like surfer fashion was really popular, and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that's what that's what this is. I, I don't know who owns TNC Surf Designs at this point. Um, but yeah, that was the idea. It was surfer clothing and they they made some uh, some NES games to promote their, their brand. Hook them while they're young, yeah. 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 Okay. Alright, well hey, uh, this was a fantastic episode. I really in enjoyed doing it. Is there anything else you want to say? If not, then take no. us out. No, just thanks for listening and uh, let's enjoy some surf adjacent music.
All right, one, two, three. Yep. How do I get this mic level to be better? It's always low. Is that it? No, it's too loud now. Okay. That's 100%, 100%. All right, ah, so adjust that mic. I think that's a little better. I could probably have to lean into it. Maybe I should move the mic to the other side of my desk. To reflect how I actually sit. Hmm. Interesting thought. All right, where was this other typo I wanted to fix? Test one, two, test one, two. Test one, two. Okay, all right, beautiful. All right, good, 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 good. I think we're in business here. Let me check my levels. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay, they're kind of all over the place. So turn the main down, point it at me a little better to see if that's more consistent. Yeah, that looks more. Okay, all right. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, uh, Let's see. I was going to add a little something to the little ear, ca ear uh, catcher at the beginning. So, all right. Turns out my head really is a small apartment. And in other news, you are tuned to Nerd Noise Radio Channel 2. Okay, we got that out of the way. Uh, let's go ahead and 3, 2, 1, the music. All right, 3, 2, 1. And I'll bring us in here in just a second. Oh. Okay, I had that up louder than I thought I did. <laughs> Good. Good morning. I mean, I mean, well, you're awake. Uh, okay. I so, think my mic but, might have picked that up. That was so loud. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and three, two, one it again. All right. Three, two, one. Ah. Damn it. That didn't. That did not go the way I wanted it to go. Okay, we're just not going to be able to... Okay, that's fine, that's fine. All right. I, I've had audacity running for a while now, so there's a bunch of garbage at the beginning. Mostly me just messing with the mic. Ooh, we don't want captions, but I'll do an English transcript. Let's do that. Start. Transcribing. Okay, it is. Uh, this is recording, too, as a backup measure. What's up? Oh, you can't hear me, can you? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Like, oh no, not audio problems. Yeah, so I'm just uh, proofreading an article I posted like 15 years ago and just realized it's riddled with grammar errors because I never, I wrote it really quickly and was like, I don't want to think about this anymore. It's because someone sent me an email about why were people buying 3DOs in Christmas 1996? And I'm like, huh, that's a good question. So it's basically an article about video game console sales in December 1996. And it mentions that 13,000 people bought a Virtual Boy in December 1996. 
So I think, I was just going to reply to him, like, I suspect this is probably when some major chain marked it down to, like, a dollar. It also mentions there was a late surge in sales for 32X and 3DO. Um, and those were both dead in 19, December 96. Those were dead, dead, dead systems. All right, we should get going. You probably want to go watch the Packers game, right? All right, uh, three, two, one. I'll bring it back in after the first part. Okay. What's the spot here? Yep. Okay. Let's all right. So the next one. Yeah, our, we're gonna we're so we're done with rabbits, but we're not done with space. We're going to hear a track from Star Fox sixty four. Do a barrel roll. We're done with rabbits, but we're not done with space. <laughs> Turns out my head really is a small apartment. You're becoming more like your father. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. I'm gonna look up the composer on Moby Games. It's going to be T's music, I think. Oh, sh that's right. Okay, all right. Never mind. <laughs> oh, quite, quite double check. No, I, it is T's music. You're right. I remember yeah, that. I, I very well could have messed that up. Um, but I remember this one being T's music. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, so let me stop the recording. Good luck.